Hello there, you are very welcome to Over the Wire, the podcast from the Andersonstown News and BelfastMedia.com. If this is your first time joining us, I'm James McCarthy and we are marking 50 years of the Andersonstown News with a podcast looking back at the stories and the people that we have made our pages over the last five decades. In this episode, we are looking at the developments of equality for the LGBTQ plus community over that period. From the decriminalisation of homosexuality in 1982, the quest for marriage equality right through to the current fight for adequate transgender healthcare, the LGBTQ plus community in the north of Ireland have faced an uphill battle in fighting discrimination and persecution. I'm delighted to say that for this episode, I'm joined by former Deputy Lord Mayor of Belfast, the first openly gay person to hold that office, and current history coordinator with Here NI, Mary Ellen Kemble. Mary Ellen, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you keeping? I'm very well, James, and thanks very much for inviting us on today. Um, my my new job title, because I started a new job new job this week, is training and volunteer coordinator with the the LGBTQIA plus Heritage Pro- Program. Um, so we've just very successfully got six months funding for this new project, um, and we'll be looking at, at a new phase in history. Uh- that's fantastic to hear, Mary Allen, and I'm sure that uh, you'll be continuing the great work that you've already done there with Here and I. Um, now, it's been a long fight for equality, but dare I say it, we're not there yet. No, we're not. You, we're not, you, you touched on the need for trans rights. I mean, at, at the moment, we see an increase in transphobia. We see an increase in homophobia. Um, you know, so there's still quite a lot of work, particularly around trans healthcare. I mean, what we would love to see is an all Ireland centre of excellence for for our trans community. Mm-hmm. Now, most people think that the role of people from the north in the decriminalisation of homosexuality here really begins with Geoffrey Dudgeon's landmark European Court of Human Rights case. Um, but if we go back to the Wolfenden report, which led to the decriminalisation of homosexuality in Britain, it was H. Montgomery Hyde, the former Ulster Unionist MP for North Belfast, who really championed that legislation. And ultimately, ultimately that led to him being deselected as the MP in 1959. Um, now, the Dudgeon case is significant um, because it determined that member countries no longer had a margin of appreciation to regulate adult private consensual homosexual acts in the name of morality. And it also also recognised that homosexuality was an immutable characteristic of human nature. Yeah, and it's also the, the first piece of legislation passed in Europe that was pro-LGBTQ, um, so it, it's historic in, in that sense. But yes, it was a North Belfast man that championed the fights uh, for decriminalisation. Um, and he was, you're right, he was deselected. Um, and Jeff, it was Jeff and a number of others who um, came forward to take the case to, to Europe. Um, and they then selected Jeff to be the, the figurehead for it. Um, but we recently ha- had a documentary made, um, The Troubles I've Seen, and Jeff and some, Richard Kennedy and Brian Gilmore um, feature in that documentary. And they talk about that, that case and they talk about the run up to the case. Um, and they talk about some of the negativity that, that they received because of the case. Richard himself, who, who um, is from South Belfast, appeared on a Counterpoint programme um, talking about LGBT equality or LGB at that time equality um, and was sacked the following day. Uh, he, in, in the documentary, he actually says the thing that he found most interesting was not the fact that he got sacked, but some of his work colleagues stood up for him. Mm-hmm. 
and to him that was a real progress. Uh-huh. And as we say there, um, that case wasn't the end for the quest for equality, particularly um, as it wasn't until 2003 that offences of buggery and gross indecency um, were removed. And then again, up until 2003, um, you could also be fired from your job, as you've alluded to there, um, for being gay. And then it wasn't until 2007 um, that it became unlawful to discriminate on the grounds of sexual orientation when it came to the provision of goods, facilities, services and education and such. Yeah, and then the difficulty with that act, the 2007 act, was we just we did see in, in later years the people who um, would have used their religious faith uh, as a, a, a way to bypass that act. I mean, mm-hmm. we have the with, with dare I say, the Ushers um, case. Mm-hmm. You know, that case is still going on um, in the Court of Appeal. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been quite a lengthy process, I know. And the age of consent, again, is another issue, um, another major issue for the LGBTQ plus community, um, with it being set at 21 for homosexual men after um, that was uh, decriminalised, um, which was significantly higher than the age of consent for heterosexuals, which was 17. And yet this wasn't equalised until 2001. Yeah, and in fact, those um, in other parts of this jur- jurisdiction or other jurisdictions that the joinless jurisdiction um again it was different you know so that you could again if we go back to the documentary and i know i'm, re- I'm talking about the documentary a wee bit much here james but the thing is this is from people's own experiences it's their voices and we're so privileged to be able to share their voices um and they actually turned around it was richard again talked around the, because it was 1968 um, in Britain, it was decriminalised and the age of consent went down. Um, and goodness, I think it was the 80s in, in Britain. Um, yet here, you could still technically be charged, convicted and sentenced to life in prison for something that wasn't a crime in Britain. Mm-hmm. And do you find it frustrating that our locally elected politicians have yet to be able to pass any significant piece of leg- legislation in terms of the advancement of LGBTQ plus equality, aside from lifting the ban on gay men, gay men donating blood? Um, because when you look at the likes of the recognition of same-sex relationships through civil partnerships or same-sex marriage, these were decisions that had been taken in Westminster during periods of direct rule or storm of being down. Yeah, well, if you look, the fact that five times marriage equality went to the assembly, um, and five times, it, you know, it, it didn't pass here, and you you have to wonder why why did we have to go to Westminster when we we elect people on our who are meant to legislate on our behalf? Now, I know that the DUP used the petition of concern um, when it actually passed at the assembly um, in the last occasion. You know, but it, it kind of makes a, a nonsense of our, our system here, um, where again, if we, we even look today, we, we don't know whether or not we're going to go to an election here, because again, the DUP um, have come out of the assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're talking about LGBT rights here, but we have to call it, call it as it is. It was the DUP um, and such, some other units who blocked the passage of marriage equality here. Um, and we kind of, kind of within our community, it does kind of be laughed at that the fact that the DUP didn't want the legislation passed, yet they brought the assembly down and we went to direct rule and Westminster passed the, the marriage equality bill. It passed the um, civil partnership 
and it passed the, the trans rights, transgender right registration act, all when the assembly was done. You know, so we have people who who will talk at our panels and say, thanks to the DUP, we have this. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's not what the DUP's um idea was. I don't want to be totally party political, you know, obviously, but it, I'm just saying that these these mm. examples are because of the intransigenceness mm. of unionism. And how easy is it for a member of the LGBTQ plus community here in the north to adopt or to start a family? Well, there's there's we have had a number of people. Um, in fact, I work with, with people who have been able to adopt um, children. Um, and it's, again, that's another big fight um, that has happened. Um, there's still barriers that's put up there. Mm-hmm. But Thankfully, thankfully, it's it's a lot more um, easier now than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. And in terms of achieving legal equality, it's fair to say that we have come a long way, um, but the fight has now turned into equality for the transgender community, as you had alluded to earlier. Um, but what is life like for a trans person in the North at the moment? Well, James, I can't speak for trans community because I think it's really important that maybe yourself takes the time to, to speak to somebody from the trans mm-hmm. community because they can tell their authentic life story. I can't. I can only talk as somebody who's a very big ally of theirs. Um, and that's not a, a mm-hmm. it's not a, a dig at the Anderson's Town news or anything like that. Um, we're very grateful to be here celebrating your 50th anniversary. Um, and I know the, the media group has very, been very supportive of the LGBT community over the years, um, always carrying positive stories and celebrating our victories with us. Um, and standing on, on the street when necessary to, as we fought for equality, and we're very grateful for that. Um, but yes, for the LGBT community, or sorry, for the trans community moment, you have the whole thing about people having to go to, go to England um, to go to the hospitals over there. But even it, to get um, assessed here at the moment, there's a five-year waiting list. Um, now, that's not, that is even before that you start hormones or anything like that, that's five years to be assessed. So we have um, members of our trans community are more likely to have suicidal uh, idea, that suicidal thoughts. Um, and also, as I said earlier, if we look at the fact in this, this year alone, we've had 331 um, transphobic hate crimes reported. Um, and then that's an increase on last year. Um, we see a concentrated effort, particularly from people um, who are not from here, but who would be part of turf organizations in other countries coming here um, and trying to attack our, our trans community and also attack our trans allies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say that societal attitudes to the LGBTQ plus community has changed drastically in the last five decades here in the North. Um, I even think to whenever I was growing up and seeing the likes of Aris Robinson on the news decreeing homosexuality as an abomination. Now, the North is still very parochial. And when you look at the likes of the Sea of Ulster from Sodomy campaign and even the Catholic Church's attitudes to homosexuality, um, how has the secularization of society in the North made it easier to be a member of the LGBTQ plus community here? I think it. I think that has made a big difference. But I think if you look at, at different things within the island of Ireland, for instance, the marriage equality in the twenty six in two thousand and fifteen, um, that that was kind of like grannies and aunties and grandas and uncles um, 
coming out and saying, look, this, let's, let's let my grandson, let my nephew, let my niece, let my loved one get married. You know, so whereas if, when I was growing up, if you'd have said to me that the 26 counties would have passed marriage equality before the North, I kind of would have laughed at you. Um, but it happened. They had marriage equality in the, the southern jurisdiction five years before we did up here in the north. Um, I think the secularization has uh, has helped an awful lot in how people's attitudes have changed. Um, mm -hmm. so, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. No, James. you're fine. Um, um, but I, I think... I think that again, I want to just talk about the fact that sometimes that we do have legislation on acts that brought in, but it's about changing people's mindsets. Mm -hmm. So as we become a more secular society, the mindsets are changing. Mm -hmm. But again, we do have the increase in transphobia. We have the increase in homophobia. We had the two horrific murders um, in April and Slago uh, of two gay men, mm -hmm. you know, so homophobia, transphobia is still out there and wherever it is, we need, we need allies to help us change it. You know, we need um, everyone to challenge those who may be transphobic or homophobic. Mm -hmm. And would it be fair to say that the government must also bear some responsibility for the societal attitudes um, towards um, the LGBTQ plus community, particularly um, following the AIDS pandemic and the messaging that was put out at that time? And indeed, it could be argued that we were at risk of making the same mistakes this year with the monkeypox outbreak and the stigmatisation associated uh, with the public health message and the campaign around that. Yeah, well, we would sometimes talk about that horrific um advert that came on tv um in fact if you if you watch pray the movie you know there's a scene where that advert comes into on tv and it was that stigmatization that there was only uh members of the lgb community that were getting hiv or were going to get aids um and the same as you say kind of the the conversation around the monkeypox it was almost as if this was specifically lgb men who were, were at risk of that and that wasn't right either um, and yes I think that there is that kind of there's still that homophobia at certain levels within the establishment that needs to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And do you think that people realise the impact that their attitudes have on members of the community? I know particularly coming at it from a male perspective um, be that if they're an only child or the only male in the family there's quite often that expectation that they'll go on to have children and keep the family name going and then you have the added aspect of many people perhaps being told when they're growing up that they would be disowned if they were to ever come out now quite often when people do come out after a period of time their family's attitudes change and with that they find acceptance but that isn't the case for every member of the lgbtq plus community no, it's not. And in fact, this week we launched our LGBTQIA plus uh, mental health advocacy program. Um, and since the six months that that program has been running, they have dealt with 164 clients. Um, and quite often, you know, some of that hurts, some of that kind of uh, trauma will come from the coming out period. You know, but thankfully, not every parent is like that. Not every family is like that. And I'm kind of laughing, you know, because obviously, you know, uh, growing up in the 80s in Belfast, you know, your mommy always hoped one son would be a priest or a reverend, you know, and that was before that she talked about the grandchildren. But thankfully, you know, 
families have changed an awful lot. The, the idea of 2.4 children and a, and a mommy and daddy together, that idea of a family, of the nuclear family has changed. And we have um, quite a lot of parents who attend our programs for uh, children and for the uh, children of same-sex couples and our family uh, support groups. Uh-huh. And as we said there, um, the public attitude to homosexuality and to the LGBTQ plus community is changing. And we only have to look at the likes of the annual Pride Parade to see that. I mean, I attended my first Pride in 2019, and it doesn't half warm your heart to see people celebrating who they are without fear. Now, the first Belfast Pride was held in 1991, I believe. And dare I say it, the parade that we see today is nothing like it was back then. Know that you, I mean, like I have spoken to people who were on the first Pride Parade in 1991, um, and they, they kind of talk about, you know, a stride with Pride, you know, it was basically a quick, quick stride around the town. Um, whereas now, that, like this year, they, they reckon there was 60,000 people on the streets of Belfast, um, and that's amazing. And, you know, as a young, young LGBT person or a not so young LGBT person walking down Royal Avenue, hearing the cheers of the crowd behind you and people on the side of Royal Avenue clapping you. I mean, this is the main thoroughfare in Belfast. Um, and there's that kind of, and I don't really like the term acceptance, but it's that kind of, you know, um, we're standing with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's class. And it's the same if you go to pray. I mean, this year I was in Pride in Cookstown. Um, and it was it was class again. You know, you had a couple of hundred people, and it was a really lovely, warm Saturday afternoon. And there was some protesters. Um, I think I counted about eight of them. You know, um, in the first parade, you would have been almost outnumbered by protesters. So that's how things have changed. You know. Mm-hmm. And as well, coupled with that, we have seen the LGBTQ plus culture in the North really explode um, over this past, I'd say even this past decade. Um, Thinking back, the only real gay bar in the early days probably would have been the Parliament, if I'm right. Um, Now we have like... Well, well, no, actually the the first gay bar owned by a gay couple was the Chariot Rooms in Lower North Street. Uh Um, Owned by Ernie and Jim. And the reason that Ernie and Jim, and this was before decriminalization, were able to to run the bar was that they had already been convicted. Uh Um, And so therefore that's how they were able to run the bar Uh openly. Um, And one of the things that we are fascinated through our history project is this was in the height of the conflict in Lower North Street in the, the Ring of Steel. Um, yet the RUC and the British Army used to take it upon themselves to visit the club every night, put the lights on. And people tell us that they then would have jumped into kind of like, you know, opposites with the opposite gender as if they were sitting with the opposite gender, you know, so they wouldn't really have any harassment. <laughs> it almost sounds like Stonewall could have happened in Belfast before it happened in New York. <laughs> And, and actually, the funny thing is, too, Stonewall was actually the second riot, not the first. Um, that was the tea room of, in San Francisco. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, thankfully, you know, we didn't have that that type of thing. We could have had that type of thing here. We have had a lot of homophobic murders here in Belfast, um, particularly in the 70s and 80s. Um, I grew up in Unity Flats, um, and two, two men from my area were killed, um, two brothers, actually. Um, Sammy McLeave, um, and he had been leaving the chariot rooms. It was his brother's sixth anniversary. And I'm sitting here at the corner of Hill Street and Waring Street, 
and his brother was killed up the street from where I'm sitting. Um, and he he went around it because of the, he came from Lower North Street, which is literally just to my left, um, to come, come around, we think, to go around to pay homage to his brother um, and came around the Ring of Steel and was found around by the courts. Um, and now Niagara at the time, the, the North of Ireland uh, Gay Rights Association with Jeff, Jeff Dudgeon um, as one of the, the people there, um, supported the McLeay family in their fight for justice. And in fact, the Anderson'stown News um, carried photographs at the family's request or took photos of his body at the family's request because they didn't believe that he'd accidentally failed, mm -hmm. which the RUC said at the time. Mm -hmm. And even thinking of the likes of the drag scene, which has become so mainstream in recent years, um, think even the number of drag artists who are from the west of the city will have Misty Falls, Misty K Electra, Misty Hasty, and even the legendary Tina Legs Tantrum. Um, the number of venues. Do not, do, do not forget Tina Tantrum there. <laughs> and even the number of venues across um, this part of the city that are putting on drag shows, which um, they wouldn't even be seen as LGBTQ plus venues, but it, it's phenomenal that um, how um, LGBTQ plus culture is almost becoming mainstream. Yeah, well, I was actually at an event last week looking at, at different forms of tourism, and, and I'd made the point at that, you know, the, a, a city that's diverse will attract tourism, you know, and who's more diverse than the LGBTQIA plus community? We're part of this. Um, if you look, the, the I think when they done the um, Goods, Facilities and Services Act in 2007, mm -hmm. they reckoned that there was the members of the LGBT a community, as it was called at that point, were bringing something like £5 billion into the economy. And they were talking about here, England, Scotland and Wales. Um, I'm not sure about the, the 26 counties. But, you know, so there has always been the, the phenomenon of the pound pound. And, and that's brilliant. And it's bringing out people and people are having the best of crack um, and getting to know more information about the LGBTQ AI plus community. But what we would always say is try and put a wee bit back into our community, try and support some of our services. You know, if you're if you're having an event, have one of us along to talk about, you know, talk about homophobia, talk about rights, even bring us in and we'll, we'll do a wee talk on the history of drag queens. Um, you know, we 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 are the first community um, and we have lots to offer and we've lots to offer tourists to the city. In fact, we're at the moment, and I know you keep talking about West, um, and I know the the Anderson's Town News North News is amalgamating again. So I'm going to talk about North. Um, one of the things we're doing at the moment is we're writing a, a walking tour, LGBTQIA plus walking tour of North Belfast, basically focusing up on the Antrim Road. And you talked about save uh, Ulster from sodomy there. We obviously have the, the great Tarek McNellis um, from Newington, who passed away, sadly, due to COVID there, um, coming up to two years ago. He was from Newington. And Tina Black, the, the mayor of Belfast, recently um, celebrated him himself with his family. Um, but Tarek uh, coined the, the, the phrase, uh, save sodomy from Ulster. 
um, back in the day when they were protesting against the, the attitude of the BBC and, and uh, certain politicians. Mm-hmm. And obviously you'd mentioned there um, you're from North Belfast, but looking specifically at the things that are going on in West at the moment, it's phenomenal. We have likes of Livemore Youth Project doing phenomenal work there with their inclusion program and working with the parents. And they, they actually won a Pride Award uh, this year, Livemore. Uh-huh. And we are booked in to have a wee talk with them um, in the future. Uh-huh. And then you have the likes of the new LGBTQ plus um, GAA team, which are obviously um, their training down in Falls Park. And then we have what I think is the only queer bookshop in the North, correct me if I'm wrong, paper clips. They're based there in Blackstaff Mill. Um, it's phenomenal. It's brilliant. Uh, paper clips, I know that the people behind paper clips, they, they do fantastic work. Um, and particularly they're very supportive of the trans community. Um, I've also known about the, the GA team. I am a wee bit old these days for myself to get around kicking a, a ball around the pitch. Um, but again, it's fantastic. You also have Blaze, uh, which is uh, an LGBTQIA uh, plus football team, soccer team. And they would also sometimes use the Falls Park um, to do some training. We have clubs such as the Balmoral, um, who would run, I think it's bi-monthly uh, drag brunches now, and they, they sell out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the owner there, John Trainer, I know he's always been supportive of the LGBT community. And in fact, when he was doing a bit of work with Backheads, and that would be about 10 years ago, he tried to, to organise an LGBTQ-friendly uh, disco up there. You know, we, we've had drag queens in the Fallons. Mm-hmm. Um, we have well if you look at the felons I think they were the first club in the west of the city to fly the pride flag mm-hmm. now if you go up the Falls Road in August uh, the pride flag and the progress flag fly quite proudly alongside all their flags are uh-huh. and of course well you obviously have Casement Park which we know now that um, Roger Casement was um, a gay man um, which is having that landmark there it's yeah, and hopefully, hopefully that will be um, will stand proudly once again, and we'll have young people uh, playing Gaelic in that pitch. And what what a brilliant thing that'll be for the West of the City, mm-hmm. and hopefully they will invite us mm-hmm. um, as part of the LGBTQIA community and to celebrate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Ellen, I'm afraid that is actually all that we have time for. Thank you very much. It's been great to chat with you as always. Uh, until next time, Slán August Bannock.